everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. This is Sports Center. I'm Kevin Winter. Trade deadline in baseball comes your way an hour from now. There's been a monster day of activity. Juan Soto, the big one, traded from the Nationals to the San Diego Padres. Josh Bell goes with them for the top five prospects in the San Diego Padres system. The Padres also will go out and get reliever Brandon Jury from the Cincinnati Reds. They ship Eric Hosmer to the Red Sox. Question is, how much of the $44 million left on his contracts going with them? Are prospects going as well? Joey Gallo dealt from the Yankees to the Dodgers. The Phillies get David Robertson from the Cubs. They also get... Center fielder Brandon Marsh from the Angels in separate deals. The Twins get closer Jorge Lopez from the Baltimore Orioles. They also get starter Tyler Molly from the Cincinnati Reds. The Astros part ways with Jaco DeRizzi, ship him to the Braves in exchange for reliever Will Smith. The Mets get reliever Darren Ruff from the Giants for J.D. Davis and three pitching prospects. Football, the Dolphins dock the first round pick next year, third rounder in 2024. Owner Stephen Ross find 1.5 million dollars suspended until mid-October for violating the integrity of the game policy. Broncos wide out. Tim Patrick suffers a torn ACL in practice today from Adam Schefter. Long summer days call for extra hands. Hire fast with Indeed. Their hiring solution helps attract, interview, and hire candidates. Sponsor a job and instantly receive a short list of quality candidates whose resumes match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. The sports capital of Alabama. This is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Tuesday. Today, Tuesday? Yeah, the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well. Bill and Dan here in the studio. And that's it. So, so if things don't, if things don't go too well, it's my fault. Because I'm at the helm today. So uh, so that means I can turn Dan's mic up we, or down yeah, okay, or on or off. I'm, I'm back on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ah, there we go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No. And and uh, yeah. Drew Drew will be back soon. But in the meantime, we're uh, we're at the con- you know we, we've got Drew uh, we have Bill at the controls and uh, going to uh, going to take it through a a busy day in the in the world of sports. Not just because there was an Auburn exhibition basketball game, but. A lot of baseball news in the last 24 hours, including one of the biggest trades in the history of the sport. That's true, and we have some football info for you as well, uh, as we uh, we now know the the practice schedule. Well, we know the the media schedule for practice. We don't know exactly when practices will start and how long they will go and things like that. But we've got a really good idea because we have a schedule of when we will be able to spend some time with coaches and players. So so we'll we'll talk about that. So a lot going on. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, let's uh, go ahead and let you know that hour number one of The Drive brought to you as usual by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And also the uh, sponsor 
of our hotline. We welcome your calls, questions, comments. It's Tuesday. Um, we will hear from from Barrett Salee at the bottom of our number one. We'll talk. We'll talk college football. I'm sure. We'll probably talk a little. Uh, uh, Major League Baseball as well. The Braves making uh, a couple of moves. Picking up Robbie Grossman, outfielder from the Tigers. Swapping Will Smith to the Astros for Jake Odorizzi. Uh, I mean, and those those aren't nothing moves. I mean, a couple, you know, there were a couple of moves the Braves made about this time a year ago that people thought, eh, why are they doing that? That's not going to make much difference. And they made a lot of difference because neither, none of Adam Duvall, uh, Eddie Rosario, or Jorge Soler were tearing it up when they got them a year ago. Or well, Jock Peterson, for that Not matter. True. The Braves also That's added, but, but the Braves also were without Acuna and Azuna this time last year. And so if they were going to, and Freddie Freeman was an impending free agent. So if they had, you know, if, if they were going to make a championship push, they had work to do as far as going out and bringing players. And I wonder if the Braves think, uh, this team as currently constructed can compete in the National League without needing to go add a piece or two to uh, to stay uh, in the uh, in in the hunt. I mean, there are a lot of National League teams that that are that are looking at this as an opportunity this year. We'll see if the Phillies make a move between now and another Phil- move. The Phillies have made a couple of moves. We'll see, we'll see if the Phillies far. make make another move between now and the deadline. The, the, there, the Mets have made some minor moves. The uh, the the team it's surprising to me that hasn't made them. Well, I guess you know when you got a twelve game lead, what do the Dodgers have to do? But the team behind them in the uh, National League West has not stopped. You you said perhaps one of the and and I've heard I've heard a couple of people now say this may um, you know may may be looked at as one of the biggest deals. Of all time in Major League Baseball. Yeah. I'm and that's cert- Juan Soto going from the Nats, along with Josh Bell, by the way, who's not, you know, It'd be a pretty nothing. big deal. Just, ju- just Josh Bell would be getting Josh traded, Bell's been an all-star. Josh Bell is a 300-hitting, switch-hitting power uh, first baseman who's 29 years old. I mean, there there have been some big trades just in the last... 2025 20, years, right? Uh, uh, Miguel Cabrera going uh, to the Tigers. Ken Griffey Jr. getting traded uh, to the Reds. A Rod was the MVP when the Texas Rangers mm-hmm. traded him to the New York Yankees. He was the first time that the reigning MVP, maybe the first time the reigning AL MVP, had ever been traded uh, the season after winning that award. So there have been some huge trades involving big stars in the history of Major League Baseball. But Juan Soto, a 23 year old who has started his career like an all-time great hitter uh, who still has three, two and a half seasons, three postseasons before he is a free agent after the 2024 season. This represents not just the Soto move, but some of the other decisions the San Diego Padres made today. They're pushing their chips in. They're saying... Oh, they, they are all in. They, they no were, doubt about it. They spent much of the 2010s rebuilding as a last place team. They acquired a lot of prospects that were in high demand, a lot of high draft picks. And, and you know, they, they sort of, towards the end of the decade, started to pivot towards signing free agents like Eric Hosmer and, and Manny Machado and starting to, uh, to, to, to move towards... Uh, trying to sustain contendership, but the the years they spent rebuilding have given them the the material they needed to make this trade. The fact that you know that they they were able to stock their farm system with 
in-demand players, and they've been able to trade some of those players for Josh Hader. They've been able to trade some of those players for Juan Soto and Josh Bell. And Brandon and Drury. Brandon in the Drury last is, hour. is coming over, third baseman, who's going to make an impact on that infield as well and, may, and maybe get some DH. I mm-hmm. bet Brandon Drury can play Well, he can play, play, everywhere. play anywhere. Yeah. He's played anywhere around the infield. He can DH. They've traded. I mean, they've traded. They've gotten rid of Eric Hosmer. They've traded Luke Voigt. So they have the DH spot available as well. Manny Machado has the opportunity to opt out after the 2024 season. Juan Soto is going to be a free agent after the 2024 season. What the San Diego Padres have done in the last uh, 48 hours is they've really sped up the urge. They've increased the urgency of winning a championship this year, next year, or in 2024, because there's a real chance that some of the best players on this Padre team aren't on the team anymore after 24. That's when Machado can opt out. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's so much better than just a rental uh, and have him for the rest of the year. Josh Hader isn't going anywhere after this year unless the Padres want to move him. They've re-signed um, some of their best pitchers. Right. They've kept some of the, you know, Joe Musgrove's in the fold, and, and they're going to keep, uh, I mean, Sean Manaya's still there on, on the team as well. I mean, they, they feel like they've got a chance to compete anywhere on the roster and I mean maybe it's not maybe it's not built to last over the next decade decade and a half in a way that had those prospects stayed in the fold and and they'd turned into great players you know maybe the Padres had built something more sustainable over the you know over the next decade but instead they've got you know they, they should be one of the best teams in baseball over the next two and a half years and they're a very real threat to win the World Series this year especially because as good as they've been Bill Zero at bats for Fernando Tatis Jr. This season. That is right. I mean, so I mean, they're they're adding Juan Soto and about to add Fernando Tatis, which would be as big a deadline acquisition as to a team that's already a playoff team right now. Right, right now, a team that's currently a playoff team is is about to add Soto and Tatis Jr., who who have had a combined zero at bats for the Padres. Uh, this year, so yeah, and nor a, had Josh Bell, nor had Josh yes. Bell, who who, who joins, who or joins Brandon Drury. I mean, I mean, it wow. really is. it's it's a uh, it's a, it's a a day, it's a big day in the history of that franchise, a big day for Major League Baseball. Might not be done. Trade deadline still? Uh, uh, no, it's it's less than an hour away. Five o'clock Central Time is the trade deadline. Now there could be some deals announced. After the trade deadline, as they have to go through the commissioner's office you, to get the approval. You mentioned the Dodgers, uh, largely quiet, uh, but but they did go get Joey Gallo uh, from, from oh, that the is York true. Yankees. I'd forgotten about that. Joey Gallo, yeah. So so a uh, a power now he has struggled. It struggles being kind this year, but he is he is an outstanding defensive outfielder. Maybe a change of pace. He's never going to be a high average hitter, but he has as much raw power as anybody in the game. Yeah, I'd say Joey Gallo is somebody who. Maybe the the like that that was the fear that if Austin Riley didn't develop more consistency, right, he could be a low on base percentage, yeah. really high like a homer. You know, really, really the, the mm-hmm. power's been there the whole time. Gallo, it's uh, I mean the the contact has really dropped off in the last couple of years for Joey Gallo, even from what he was as a as a boomer bust player. But there's still the threat, Bill. When he gets the bat on the ball, oh, when he does, it can go a long, yeah. long way. He's still got the you know the ability to put one into orbit, and you could see why a playoff team would want maybe not as an everyday player, no, but but you'd see why a playoff team a, a manager would want a Joey Gallo available in, in the later innings to to you know to well, to shake I mean, who up. who do they have as a lefty bat off the bench? Ooh, I don't, I don't I mean, know. I mean, they got, I mean. Now you got Trace and Lamb, who are both, but Lamb's not a Jake Lamb would yeah. have been. I mean, Lamb would have been the guy the getting guy. those. Trace the, Thompson's right. Yeah, those are the guys platooning that spot. Right. So, um, 
I mean, yeah, maybe maybe Gallo's coming for for Jake Lamb's at bats, like we were speculating, maybe. But that's he's a guy. He'll probably get some some start. I think until Chris Taylor's back, he'll probably right. uh, probably get fairly regular time in the outfield uh, against perhaps some tough lefties. And yeah, so and and we'll still see. I mean, there's still like you said, uh, j- just over 45 minutes remaining between now and the deadline. So maybe mm. uh, between uh, between now and then, we will uh, we'll hear of someone else uh, getting dealt. But a busy. A trade deadline with a lot of familiar names for folks who follow Major League Baseball being uh, uh, shipped uh, to and uh, to and fro. You got to excuse us. I mean, we're both um, both MLB fans. The trade deadline. Well, yeah, but I'm telling you, people around here, the majority of the folks listening to us, care more about the Auburn's basketball exhibition today. I'm sure than than what was the final, sco- uh, than what was the final score that game. Uh, a lot to not nearly as much. <laughs> we watched it, and there's, I I had, mean, well, and, I had it on. Yeah, uh, look, honestly, this is a terribly busy time for me on campus. Uh, so I had the game on, and occasionally I could turn and and look. Um, the final score. What was the final score? It was 117 to 50 something. Uh, I believe 56. 117 to 56 was the uh, was the final score that I. Was the final score that I saw? This is the uh, Israel U nineteen team taking on the Auburn Tigers in uh, in in Israel earlier today. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. I, I had not seen the uh, the the release from uh, from the media from media relations, um, which does not have the score. Auburn. Uh, it's pretty funny. <laughs> the the release has numbers and quotes. Uh, but it doesn't have the score. It was like I said, it was an exhibition, so it was a lot to not nearly as many. Yohan Treor, Auburn's leading scorer today. Again, don't don't get either too excited. I yeah. mean, get excited, get excited, get excited about this team, no question. But don't because somebody didn't score as much, or somebody scored a lot more than someone else. Don't uh, don't automatically take that to mean. That this is a that here's your starting lineup. Yeah. Here are your top five from the five, top five scores. Bill, you've been watching Auburn basketball for a really long time. I've, I've been following the team for for a while too, and it's really cool to see them go uh, to, uh, to to Israel and play this exhibition game. If you're more interested in the exhibition game than the baseball trade deadline, we're very different sports fans. But it's okay. It's I mean it's it's all right. I mean and and, and as you said, it was uh, you know Auburn uh, did get you know you got to see Yohan Traore for the first time. You got to see Jonah Broom for the first time in an Auburn uniform. Very cool to see both of those uh, both of those players potentially, um, uh, you know, may, well, I mean, not potentially making their debut on what could be a a, a big season. Uh, potentially push the uh, button on the bottom, Bill, and make it. Uh, no, no, that's no that's, the that's, bottom on the button. Thank you, the, thank you. I mean, I looked up right one. at it as yeah. as you said, push the button on the bottom. I go, well, it says drop of the two, and I pushed it. Of the push two the middle buttons, button. yeah, it would have been the middle button, button Dan. Not the hang up the button. middle button. I hit the top <laughs> button because I know that puts them on hold. I thought the middle button brought them up, but you said bottom. Well, I thought you knew the red one was hang up. I meant well, the, I meant the bottom on it. <laughs> and it's like, well, gee, maybe they've changed things. <laughs> you know, all right, so the next Who time. Who was that? That was Olin. Olin, Olin call, us back. call me back. <laughs> I mean, the next time, if you see three and, and it's the one that's not on the top there's, and not on the bottom, call it well, the middle. Two clear, button. There's two oh. clear buttons and a red button. It and is the two the, clear buttons are on top it, of each it, other. It is the middle button. <laughs> 
button. Olin. Andrews. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Olin. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Dan, Dan can't tell the difference in in the middle or the bottom. I mean, I I thought Dan, I thought it went without push staying. the bottom button. I thought of it the went two that staying. aren't the bottom. Yes, That's what of, he wanted me of to the do. The two that don't say hang up on the caller. It does. It says drop. But I mean, yeah, I wondered. I was about to hit the button to bring you on, and and oh. I and I followed Dan's advice and hit the bottom button. Sorry, I cut you off. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm I'm doing as well as I can do for this. Well, time. Bill, you know I know you're limited, but that's okay. You're doing the best you oh, can. I've always okay? been limited. That's right. <laughs> hey, Bill. Yeah. I was just following up on my call the other day because toward the end of it, Dan having to make a comment that kind of hit a hot button with me that I just want to express my feeling on. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, Dan made a comment. I've heard from many other people that uh, you know. Uh, Carson, this team, they got to win now, okay? And it just kind of hit me like, okay, so you hire a guy, you give him a five-year contract, he has a bad year, and now you say, I got to win now. Why didn't you give him a five-year contract? Why didn't you give him a one-year contract and say, we'll review it at the end of one year? Listen, I think it's time for Auburn to live up to a contract. And I would stay with this coach all the way through. And uh, and I think he'll have our program going in the right direction. Now, you know, uh, if I'm wrong, then whoever hired him made a mistake. But I'm not wrong by saying, hey, we should live by our commitments. Well, like we would hope others would live by theirs or let's not play the game of just signing contracts. I understand what you're saying, where you're coming from, Olin. But uh, honestly, these days... Uh, living up to the contract, Auburn has. They've paid. Now they have not. They've not let the contracts expire. But um, in 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 the climate that we're in right now, nationally, uh, and I I'd say worldwide. I mean, it it is produce or we're going to make a change. And and I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of that. But I think that's the reality now. It's, well, wait a minute. Let's talk about the reality of producing. Now, here's the key. Produce in what time frame? You expect a coach to come in, take over a program the way Auburn's program was when Gus left it, take it over, and now produce without giving him a chance to get his systems in place and his coaches in place and things happening. He did what he thought he had to do when he first came in, made some mistakes in people that he hired, people and he's he's on his way to doing it his way. And, you know, I just think we need to give him a chance to do that without any criteria on it. And I guess part of the criteria as far as I'm see is improvement. If I don't care how many games it is that we win, it's how we play the games. And if we play the games the way I hope we will, I think we'll have a reasonable record. Will it be nine games? I don't know. I think it'll be enough to get us into a bowl game. But I'm I, I'm willing to watch that, see it develop, see then as he builds on it the next year and goes to nine and then to 11 and then to the national championship. I'm willing to see that. Oh, I appreciate yeah, appreciate the phone no. Call. I mean, I've got Olin still there. I just thought you might want oh, no, to. I, uh, I, I don't want to comment, I don't dis- and then I mean, I'll come back to Olin. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree too much with anything Nolan said. I mean, I'm I'm not ready to say like no matter what happens this season, Brian Harson deserves a third year. But I do think Auburn should be 
trying to project stability and, and trying to to make it seem as though like it's not it's not as though I mean, it's it's probably the best thing for all that that Auburn doesn't position this as no you're right I mean it, it needs to be something that looks like Auburn is concerned about long term uh, stability and growth you know an improvement over the long term absolutely that's where I'm coming from guys. Now, now I, the the disagreement I would I would make on is I wonder I wonder how much public pressure there would be if Auburn's record was whatever folks consider unsa- yeah, unsatisfactory in in twenty twenty. Let me tell you something. Ain't nothing going to get any worse than it is now. Last year and the year before, mm. if we're going to keep losing to Alabama and Georgia, I don't. There ain't nothing going to keep the pressure from being there. Okay, I don't care what you do. We've got to be. We've got to show them that we can play on a par with Alabama and Georgia. And once we get to that point, then we'll be okay. But until then, the fire's going to be hot for everybody. So there ain't no sense looking at the alumni and the rest of the fans and saying, "Hey, y'all cool it." You know, listen, we'll cool it all right as long as you're making progress toward what the goal is. And my goal is you got to be competitive against Alabama and Georgia for many reasons. One is I just plain dislike both of them. Okay, second reason is because if we're going to recruit at the top level, we got to we got to beat those two monsters and able to recruit against them. And until we do, we won't. But we can. We almost had Alabama beat this last year. I hate to even say the word almost, but dang it, we should have won that game. But that shows how close we are. We're close enough to beat them, and I got news for Georgia. Their day is coming. They, I, I, they've been lucky as they to catch us the way they have year after year when it seems we had our worst games against Georgia. I'm telling you, I tell Coach Harson, I don't care whether you load up for a game or not. If I was you, I'd try to win every game. But if you want to play a little special emphasis, there's two places to play it, okay? So that's kind of my view as a fan, okay? On the, in the meantime, how are we going to get to on a par with them? We got to find a coach and stick with him and give him a chance to develop a it team doesn't, it strong doesn't enough seem, to compete against them. Yeah, Ole, appreciate it, and, and it doesn't seem like uh, like there, there's it doesn't seem like the healthiest atmosphere to to have a situation where the coach has to have a great year every year, or he's or he's going to be answering questions about his job because you don't see that no, in. No. You don't see that in men's basketball at Auburn. Well, you don't see that in, not in at baseball. Any, not at any place that expects to be successful. I mean, so, so I mean, and that's and that's not to say Brian Harson gets a pass no matter what happens. Sure, I agree. But, but you probably don't want it to be a, a pressure cooker environment to the point where have a great season or you're fired is the norm. Appreciate the call, Olin. We need to get to our first break just underway. Come on in and join us here on the Tuesday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, and uh, we'll get back to the phone momentarily. Let's uh, quickly just get you some of the uh, numbers from today's exhibition win for Auburn and the under-20 Israeli team that Auburn played. Yohan Treor, 20 points, 8 rebounds, 2 steals. Janai Broom, 17 points, 9 rebounds, 4 blocks. Chance Westry, how about this, the newcomers right there at the top. But again... Uh, they, they, they needed to, uh, 
and got the opportunity to show what they could do. Chance Westry with 13 points, three assists, three steals. Katie Johnson, 13 points. Dylan Cardwell, 12 points. He looked lean. Uh, Alan Flanagan had 10 points. So Auburn with uh, six players in double digits. Jalen Williams had nine. Wendell Green Jr., eight. Zepp Jasper, seven. Chris Moore, four. And Stretch Akimbola had two points for Auburn today. Let's get back to the Kia of Auburn hotline, 334-321-1390. And Dak is next. Hey, Dak. Hey, guys. How are y'all doing? Doing, doing all right. Good. Good to hear from you. Good. It's good to be back with y'all. I've been on the road the whole summer. It's good to get back on my schedule again so I can listen to y'all. Uh, yesterday, I, I got to listen. I, I hate that I didn't get to call in and ask Brian a, a question or two. But, but guys, I, and we've harped on this before, but I think Coach Harson's a really good coach. You look at last year, after I've gone back and broke down the film, guys, you realize how close we were to winning 10 bowl games. We should have won 10 games with guys that are subpar in the SEC. Uh, you look at the, first, the, the, the Penn State game, for example. If a receiver runs his right route at the end of that ball game and does what he's supposed to do, we win that game. All right, you go back to the Texas A&M game. We had three drop touchdowns before Texas A&M even pissed a drop on offense. If we catch those passes for touchdowns like we should have, we win that ball game. All right, and if Bo don't get hurt against Mississippi State, we might have finished out with three wins at the end of the season. And that's how close I know. If you know, you can't go back and. And say this or that if this happened or this happened. But the bottom line is, I was listening to a call-in show, and they were talking to several other the SEC coaches and other coaches around the country, and they asked, what was the problem at Auburn? And y'all may have heard this interview, I don't know. But they said, 1 through 21, the players are as good as anybody in the country. But after that, there's a huge drop-off. And that hit the nail on the head because that's when you're playing against games like Mercer. Well, they couldn't finish. Up, right. And when you get up against teams like Mississippi State, big like that, your number twos and your subs can't come in and give your number one guys a break. In the past at Auburn, your twos were almost as good as your ones. And your threes was as good as everybody else's twos. Right now, we have ones, and that's it. We have a huge drop-off after our starting 11 on offense and our starting 11 on defense. And until we get our recruiting back on track and getting kids out of Alabama and Georgia again, it's not going to happen. Good stuff. Appreciate the call there, Dak. Yeah, don't be a stranger. Hopefully we'll hear from you again. We've got to get to our bottom of the hour break because Barrett Salee should be joining us on the other side. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive.
The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Man, all of a sudden the skies opened up. And it is, uh, it's raining pretty hard over here. This is crazy. Usually I'm complaining going, I need some rain at my house. I'm getting some work done on the driveway. I don't know that this is exactly what I, the, the weather I need right now, but I mean, I shouldn't complain because we need rain when, when we haven't gotten that much. But, uh, let me tell you what's, what's raining. It is raining moves in Major League Baseball. Mm. Uh, we, we'll continue following that and we'll probably talk a little baseball with our next guest, our good friend from CBSSports.com and Sirius XM. And that is, uh, Barrett Sally. Barrett, yes, it's Bill and, Dr- it's Bill and Dan. And that's it here in the studio today. So if, if you get cut off, it's Dan's fault. Yeah, it's my fault. I, told, I told Bill to push the wrong button. That's probably what happened. <laughs> How you doing, man? I don't know if I don't know if I'd let Bill Cameron run the board. That just seems uh, that seems dangerous. Well, it's way. It's it's. Well, let's be clear I, I about should, this. I should say way, but it it should be below my Barrett, pay grade. Barrett, no no matter who's pushing the buttons, Bill Cameron runs the board. All right, yeah, there when, you when go. He, when he's when he's in That's the studio. True. There you go. That is true. Uh, well, well, let's go. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit. I mean, I I asked you. When uh, when we first connected, you know, if the Braves done anything the last few minutes, uh, my oh my, the San Diego Padres are all in. Yeah, the NL East has been pretty quiet today, right, Barrett? Oh, the Phils have done a couple of things. Yeah, the Phils did a few things, but uh, yeah, I mean, Padres spending a whole lot of money doing a whole lot of work to lose to the Braves in the NLCS. <laughs> but good for them, going for it. You know, it's awesome. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, look, honestly, in all seriousness, that. That Padres lineup when Tatis comes back, I mean, come on, that's just filthy. But yeah, it's it's been interesting. All quiet on the Braves front. Although you know, getting Adrianza back, I thought was big because he can, he's so versatile. Uh, really good clubhouse guy too, so that helps. Uh, Cano was a disaster. At, yeah. uh, Orlando Arcia again, good clubhouse guy. His WRC plus has been brutal the last month. Um, you know, and and I I. I, I I'm very happy that Will Smith is gone. I, you know, thank him for the postseason run, but um, my blood pressure will go down a little bit with him not in the bullpen anymore. And you know, it really is a good, a good. Yeah, uh, I mean, that, that's a good stuff. veteran guy, an innings eater that can be there in the middle of the rotation. Robbie and Robbie Grossman's a guy that uh, you know. I mean, last year there there wasn't a whole lot made of the of the small pieces that appeared the Braves got in the outfield. I mean, they're just, they're just hoping that uh, you know Lightning can strike again. Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm not in you know. Generally speaking, I don't want people to do the process. You know, I don't want people to do what you know the Houston Rockets did for an entire decade with their team. At the same time. I'm looking at the fact that the Houston Astros had a long rebuild where they were perennially at the bottom of their division and then turned it into a a World Series championship. The Atlanta Braves had a long, dry spell and turned that into a World Series championship with pieces they got. Maybe uh, the San Diego Padres are going to do the same thing because they had a you know a period where they were they were the worst team in the division and collected a lot of these assets and then turned these assets into these players. I mean, there's. 
there's an argument for rebuilding in Major League Baseball if you look at your nucleus and that nucleus is never going to be good enough uh, to, to compete with the best teams in your division, right, Barrett? Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Um, and, and the Padres, I think, are in that position because you know, they've had to go out and get Machado. They got Juan Soto. Um, the foundation is Fernando Tatis. He's just now, you know, obviously this year he hadn't played, but you know, just now become you know sort of the centerpiece of, of that organization. So you have to supplement some some uh, pieces here and there. Um, but I think they've done a good job. You know, they, they've got guys coming up. Cronenworth's a good example. So um, you know, it's it, it's different strokes for different folks, different methods for each team. But um, you know, yeah, I think with what the Astros did, with what the Braves did, it's you know, prolonged rebuilds work if you do it properly and and i think um the padres did a did a pretty good job of collecting talent um musgrove uh, as well just sort of biding their time until they found a time to strike and uh and this is it there's no doubt about it they're going for it man this is a uh it's a fun time i, I love i mean Dan and I love Major League Baseball, so, I mean, it's fun watching this. But, I mean, it's also a really fun time because training camps are getting underway all across the country, specifically here in the southeast. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a fun time when we're going to, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the start of the season now. It is. Uh, it kind of snuck up on me, honestly, because, you know, media days happened, and then we went straight back to NIL and, and realignment and things like that. And then I think it was Sunday, I got a, uh, an actual practice report from, uh, <laughs> from, from an SID. I think it was from Toledo, and I'd never been so excited. I'm like, oh, awesome. We actually get to talk about real football now, uh, now that camps are starting up. And, you know, I just, I'm interested to see, um, you know, down where you guys are, that quarterback battle, the one at LSU, the one at Texas A&M, there's going to be a lot of intrigue, there's no doubt. Um, and, and I'm excited that we actually are, are getting down to, to this part of the offseason and, you know, not necessarily the, the administrative side. Talk with Barrett Salee from CBS Sports and Sirius XM here on the Tuesday edition of The Drive. And, yeah, spending, uh, spending time in media days uh, two weeks ago, it is, it's, it's amazing how optimistic, and, it, and I'll include Auburn, in this, how optimistic all of the teams in the SEC West are, and it's hard to believe that one of these teams is going to have to finish, uh, you know, at the bottom. Somebody's got to be well, at somebody, the bottom. Somebody's going to finish at the bottom. A couple of teams are going to be near the bottom. Is there a team in the West that, that you're looking at this year, Barrett, and you think they're they're better than people realize? And is there a team in the West where maybe you don't share the optimism of of some of the folks around the program? Yeah, I mean, I think Ole Miss is way better than where they were predicted in the uh, in the preseason poll. I just think you know the, the running back room improved. They have more versatile pass catching, more um, uh, targets for the quarterback. I think they're fine with whoever wins the quarterback job, whether it's Altmyer or Dart. And you know, defensively, they just have to be somewhat better than mediocre, which for them has been challenging at times. But you know that they were awful last year and they still went to the Sugar Bowl. Um, so I think it would be Ole Miss is the one that I think people are undervaluing. And, and I think Texas A&M is, is one that people are overvaluing. I, I know that there's this idea that they've got all these players and all this other stuff. They're an eight and four type team. Like that's just what they are. And in a Jimbo offense, you have to have an elite quarterback and you have to have a quarterback who is comfortable with everything that Jimbo throws at his quarterbacks, which is much more than other offensive coaches do. So, I just I don't see Texas A and M being that. Plus, you got to have a, a defensive line rotation of of eight or nine guys, and 
if that's going to be the case for Texas A&M, three or four of them are going to be true freshmen. Uh, look, they might be talented true freshmen, mm-hmm. but they're true freshmen, and that's not something that's easy to handle. Talking with Barrett Salee of uh, CBSSports.com, Sirius XM, as we do on Tuesday afternoons. All right, Barrett, uh, um, you, you mentioned in the SEC, it's Ole Miss, Texas A&M, especially in the SEC West, that you feel are under and overvalued. Um, what about nationally? Man, I tell you what, I, I if you listened to College Sports Sunday on SiriusXM um, yeah, two days ago, I have adopted Utah as my team. Uh, now, they were fifth in the 131, our, our rankings that came out today. I didn't think wow. that was going to be the case. But I am, I am all aboard the Utah hype train. They can run the football. They're extremely well coached. Uh, they've got a great dual-threat weapon in Cam Rising. And they've got a schedule, especially if they beat Florida, that will look good even if they lose a Pac-12 game and still win the Pac-12 championship. So I am all aboard with Utah. That is my adopted team this year, and if they fail, I will back away like Homer Simpson into the bushes like this segment never happened because I will completely deny it. Um, well, no, but, Bar- no, Barrett, uh, I, I actually, let, let's, let's stay on Utah for a second because I, I saw a thing going around Twitter earlier today where, where the question about like predict this year's national champion if you're not allowed to say Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State. If you had to pick this year's, you know, the, the team that's going to win the national championship this year in but college you, football, but you'd leave those three you out. Can't, you can't pick Bama, Georgia, mm-hmm. or Ohio State. I mean, there are a lot of teams that you could make an argument for as as that you know as deserving of of the number four spot, including Clemson, who's probably like the the, the most commonly chosen mm-hmm. team that I saw. But but Utah and USC. If they were to get things rolling in the Pac-12, would would be I mean they'd have as good a chance of making the playoff as anybody else, you know, excepting uh, those those first three teams that I mentioned. Yeah, and I think with USC, it's interesting because from a skill player perspective, they've got they're top five in terms of offensive skill players. Now I don't know who's going to block for them. If I could have any Barrett, I'll go a step further. With everyone's talking about the 2023. NFL draft as this incredible class of quarterbacks and C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are great. If I could have anybody in college football as an NFL team for the rest of their career, it might be Caleb Williams. Like he, I, that, that, I, that might be. I mean, he's, I will he's, listen to that argument. He's Ky, he's Kyler Murray with the size that you want in an NFL quarterback. Like that that's yeah, that's is. what that's, that's what Caleb Williams is. And Kyler Murray at five nine just got paid more than just about anybody ever. Right. So I, I mean I, I think you're you're on you're onto something there with you know the the possibility of what USC could do if if things line up with with uh, with Caleb Williams. Well, yeah, but now Kyler Murray has to study film, which is a problem. But but he doesn't uh, need to. It's true, just run around in circles. Uh, but yeah, I mean USC is going to be fun. I, I mean they might not block anybody, but Caleb Williams running around and scrambling will be. Will be exciting. There's no doubt. I think the, maybe the one team that I'm I'm not buying really at all. Like I said, Texas A&M in the SEC, and certainly that's the one nationally that stands out to me. Um, I would say maybe Oklahoma, depending on where they are in the preseason rankings in the AP Top 25. They're relatively low in ours. I think they're like eighth or ninth. Hmm. Um, the uh, the, the, S- think, the UCF quarterbacks there now, right? Isn't that is it, yeah, is it Dylan, Dylan Gabriel? Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel took over because yeah. Caleb and, and Spencer both left. Yeah, and, and I just don't know what Venables is going to do as a head coach. You know, I don't know if, if Jeff Levy's offense is going to click there. It might, but, I mean, that's if you're putting Oklahoma in the top five, top six, you're essentially saying there's not going to be a drop-off from Lincoln Riley to Brent Venables. 
I no. don't necessarily know if that's the right way to approach Oklahoma this year. Are you buying the uh, you buying the Clemson revival? You think speaking of first year coaches who have uh, made some headlines in recruiting, you think Cristobal ready to make news immediately in that league? Uh, I'm buying Clemson. I'm, I don't know about Miami, um, but I think I lo- I, I, Van, he's Van, definitely improving yeah. their talent. Yeah, Miami's gotten better, and that quarterback. You 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 told us a couple weeks ago. You know, Max Johnson was better than uh, than, than some folks realized down down the stretch. Uh, Van Dyke at Miami was much better. Than, than people realize, you know, once he went in for uh, for Derek King, he was, and and I think the the interesting thing with Miami is that the off, the wide, wide receivers, which for Miami seems impossible, but they're not that good. Um, if if he can find receivers that he can trust, that Miami team will be dangerous I mean, because they've got athletes. They they I wouldn't say they've got Miami athletes from the the days of the U, but they're they've got some talent. Most so teams, most teams in the NFL, I'm in. There's some NFL teams Boy, yeah. that don't have don't have 1990s That's true. Di- no, Miami right. Miami dominance. You know, on their, on their uh, some of the bad teams in, in the NFL maybe maybe lack that sort of thing. But no, if Mario, if, if Cristobal can get close, then it's a, it's a big step in the right direction for that program. All right, Barrett, yeah, and I think they've got the talent. I think they've got the talent to at least be dangerous. All right, we're, 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 we're less than 15 minutes away from the trade deadline. What would you like to see the Braves do, and what do you think they may? I would like them to get another power bat. Robbie's a good, mm-hmm. a decent bat. Um, I would like more, and I don't know where you get it from. The thing is, I, J.D. Martinez. J- J.D. Martinez is, is, J. D. Uh, Martinez the, is out there. Boston Red Sox are listening. Garrett yeah. Cooper. Has not been moved uh, in, in Miami. Miami. Miami's only moved two relievers. Uh, apparently, the well, Yankees, here's the yeah. thing with Garrett Cooper. Here's the thing with Garrett Cooper. That could be this year's Duval. Like, mm-hmm. hey, get him out of get him out of our division so we don't have to play him because he killed us. And B, get him on our team so he can kill other teams. Oh, absolutely. And and that's that's something with with the National League having so many teams that believe they could win the World Series this year. Uh, that's something you have to keep in mind with these trades is that when you, you know, if you can land Juan Soto, not only are you getting him, the Dodgers and the Mets aren't getting him, right? If the Braves can go get a reliever or a starter that maybe some of these other National League teams would be on, you're getting them and you're keeping them away from That's the Phillies right. it's and a double, the Mets. It's a, and, it's, and, it's a double-sided win. I mean, so yeah, you wonder if yep. it, you know if, any, if anybody else gets moved to any of these NL contenders between now and the deadline, you know, who, who else was in on them and, and what, you know, what could be the motive yep. uh, behind that? Pablo Lopez would be somebody, speaking of the Marlins, hasn't been moved. I could, I could Fe- deal with that. Feels like he's not going to be on that uh, team. I'm, I mean, it, everything Fif- I'm seeing says Yankees 15 Dodgers. minutes from now. Yeah, Yankees feels like Pablo, Pablo Lopez yeah, may we'll not be see. a fish much longer. Barrett, great stuff as always. Let everybody know what you got coming up and how they can find it. Well, like I said, our 131, our ranking of every team just came out today. We have uh, some camp previews coming out uh, over the course of the next couple of days. And then we have our annual best team in each state coming out early next week, which is basically code for everybody yell at me and my <laughs> colleague John for, for being stupid and picking the wrong team. Well, of course, uh, that would be the first time. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Uh, all right, Barrett. Uh, thanks again, man. Have a good week. Thanks, y'all too. Barrett Salee joining us as he does on Tuesdays. We need to get to our final break of our number one. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. 
Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Final few minutes of hour number one of The Drive. Here on this Tuesday afternoon, our thanks to uh, Barrett Salee for joining us, as he does most Tuesdays. And I uh, hope you had a chance to hear that. Uh, if not, or even if you did, and you want to catch up on some of the other things here on the drive, re-listen. Go, did they really say that? Check out the podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I believe I believe the podcast is Drew's responsibility, so we may be working. Oh, well. We may be efforting yesterday's oh, that, podcast, that may too. Be true. Uh, yeah. But if you, yeah, if you, if you uh, miss any of the show, uh, check out a podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Search for The Drive with Bill Cameron wherever you get your podcast, or go to ESPNAU.com or AUNetwork.com and check out the Podcast Center. Uh, and if, uh, yeah, if episodes are missing this week, we're working on it. But Drew, that's right. Drew we, is a, We're here. He's a founder. I mean, it's not because we're missing it's it's uh because we're missing a a a vital piece that's right of the drive that's right we're missing ringo and so you know we you can't uh you know we're we're, we're not uh, uh we're, we're not we're not at full strength uh, without our without our rhythm section uh drew uh, drew forehand so yeah we, and drew and drew will be uh, will be back soon but in, in the meantime uh, yeah we're still uh, still working it out uh, without him and a lot to talk about between the trade deadline and the basketball exhibition, which we haven't talked a ton about. No, no. I mean, we, we just hit some of the, but, but honestly, it was an overmatched under 20 Israeli team. Yes. I mean, Auburn was taller, more athletic, and, uh, man, they, they looked good. I mean, let's, let's say this. The newcomers looked good. I think that was sort of Bruce's thing today, showca- showcasing, um, the new additions to the team. Right, because Bruce, I mean, because as I mentioned, Yoan Treor, Janai Broom, the top two scorers. As a matter of fact, top three scorers were all newcomers. Right, Western and Westry with uh, I mean, thirteen. I mean, Treor, and and again, like fifty points between the top, the the three newcomers. I mean, with Yo- three of the four newcomers. With, with Johan and Broom, I mean, seeing them look so physically ready for college basketball in. The beginning of August is a good sign because these guys don't have much work to do. You know, they, they looked like they could be ready. You know, they looked like they could go play a college basketball game next week if, if they needed to. So that's that's maybe a good sign is that both of them looked physically. I mean, and, and again, it's they weren't necessarily playing against a team with the kind of size that you're going to see when, uh, you know, the SEC conference season starts in January, but still seeing uh, the, the explosiveness of, of Traore and, and some of the uh, basketball savvy and some of the veteran moves of, of Jonai Broom. You know, it's, good, it's good to see them, you know, sort of in, in, uh, in, in midseason form already. Yeah, 117 to 56 was your final. They'll take tomorrow off and then play against a more experienced team is this the one is this the uh the best of the three teams that they'll play thursday i, I believe i think it's the israeli national team uh-huh. is the next one they uh they play and, and i believe there is there's maybe the expectation that, that demi avija i believe uh, could, so could play uh some uh some portion of that game the nba's uh player from the uh the, the wizards who was a lottery pick a couple years ago from uh from from israel and is going to participate in the euro basket later this month and early next month so it would make sense that they could get him on the floor uh to uh to work with his teammates as, as much as they can uh chance westry 
was somebody that a lot of folks noticed today. And you know, speaking of guys in their in their first Auburn uh, game, guys that you're seeing in an Auburn uniform Man, for the I, first I, time, I like the way he looked. I mean, uh, a long, lean guard. Um, Seems like somebody who could step in and play three positions. You know, and, mm-hmm. and not not necessarily you, you want him playing. You, you'd like for him to have a role, but if he's going to come off the bench, and and he can he can play with all the different options at guard. You know, as a as a teammate alongside him, that that would be uh, that would be a positive development uh, for Auburn. I, I agree with you, Bill. I'd, I'd love to see more out of Chance Western. We'd love to hear from you if you got a chance to watch today's exhibition. Give us your thoughts. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise, we're halfway done here on the Tuesday Drive. Let's get the last couple of trades in before the deadline. The Phillies, according to Jeff Passan, finalizing a deal to acquire Noah Syndergaard from the Angels. The Yankees have shipped out Jordan Montgomery to St. Louis in exchange for center fielder Harrison Bader. So the Yankees outfield has Benintendi and Bader, who they've acquired, to go along with Judge, Hicks, and this guy named Stanton. That's not bad. All right, there it is. We're done. Trades are done. Big news of the day. Juan Soto dealt. From the Washington Nationals to the San Diego Padres. Former world champion and baseball player Nick Swisher, a guest earlier on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. So what this could mean. I mean, it's huge. It should be a boost for the squad moving forward. But I think, you know, also, you know, that kind of, that really, really locks that bond in from front office to player. Because now you're saying to yourself, whatever we need, they're going to go out and get. host of other moves happened today, but we got to go to football because a big story developed as well. The Miami Dolphins docked the first-round pick next year. Third rounder in 2024. Their owner has been fined and suspended until mid-October for violating the integrity of the game policy with regards to tampering and tanking allegations. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And now, a no-frills ad brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Here it is. You can save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. That's it. See? Just a good old-fashioned, straightforward ad. See if you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or Progressive.com. The sports capital of Alabama. This is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. Bill and Dan here in the studio where, I mean, we had a heavy downpour. Now it's moved on, at least from our area. 
I hope everybody doing well on this Tuesday. Um, we're, we're hoping you'll join us. We've got calls holding, so we'll quickly take care of business. Hour number two of The Drive, brought to you as usual by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika, on the web at orthoclinic.com. And we, we welcome your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And the number to get you through is 334 334- Three two one thirteen nine. You can also text the show three three four five six four eighteen forty on the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, which you can find uh, on your favorite podcasting platform. Just search for the drive with Bill Cameron, and you can listen to the show that way. We load episodes of the show uh, right after the uh, live show is done. Let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline, and Jerry gets us started this hour. Hey, Jerry. Hey, guys. Um, I watched the basketball game today, and uh, some of the things that stood out to me was uh, Dylan Carsdale just really dominated on defense. Of course, they were overmatched. Uh, one other thing, I thought Allen Flanagan looked like a different player. Yeah, he hit a couple I mean, of big threes. I mean, he looked very confident uh when he had the ball in his hands i mentioned a while ago dylan looks leaner doesn't he i mean he yeah. he uh uh he has come back and and i heard um you know I, I heard him talking about it on tv that uh you know he just carries himself a little differently this year alan uh alan ex- experimented with the nba draft uh, this this earlier this summer and went to that combine uh and really performed well athletically uh, in in the combine, the different uh, measurements, the different uh, di- you know the, the different ways that they the drills uh, that they that they run you through. Allen, you know, was was somebody who, I mean, it, it's it's apparent now, and it was apparent watching him play uh, that he was limited after the uh, the scooter injury uh, last summer. You know that 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 caused him to have the uh, the, the injured Achilles tendon that, that missed, causing him to miss much of the first half. Of the year, and there's reason to believe that an Alan Flanagan who gets to go through a healthy offseason and and this oh he was a preseason all conference yeah. player a year ago. I mean, I, mean I, I would say he looks to be having an extremely healthy offseason based on what we've seen from him at the NBA Combine and uh, earlier today uh, in Israel, and that's really good news for Auburn because Auburn missed Alan Flanagan at times last year, as great as the season was. Uh, there, there were times when you would have loved to have the Alan Flanagan of your, and Auburn may have him uh, this uh, this this upcoming season. Yeah, I, I tore my Achilles in mm. playing softball, and it is a difficult injury to recover from. Um, and and trying player, to stay, and trying to stay, uh, you know, athletically, uh, you know, tr- trying to stay able to step back in there once you know once the injury is is done, staying, uh, you know, st- staying ready. Uh, with with the rest of your body, when 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 your mobility goes away, it is a real challenge for athletes. And yeah, I mean, on top of rehabbing something serious like an Achilles injury, you know, the notion that you had to rehab it and then start playing. I mean, the season was season was going on. You know, when when Allen finally got cleared, and you know, I'm sure he would have loved a couple more months. You know, mm-hmm. to, to get into basketball shape. Said he had to play his way into that shape, and you know, we we saw the results last season. Yeah, and one other player I noticed was Trey Donaldson. He's, he's physical, isn't he? Yeah, he you can is. you can tell that that yeah he looks like he's he was a big time football prospect as well. Yeah, he he's ready to go. Uh, is he going to play football? No, 
at least uh, that's the plan now is to be basketball only. I mean, he may think about it later on in his career, but right now he's basketball only. Well, all right, guys. Good, Good show. All right, Jerry, thanks for the call. And that's, and that's something you pointed out, Bill, when folks would talk about Auburn's recruiting. They talk about this recruiting class, and that recruiting class in football included Trey Donaldson. Right. Who, that, that helped the, the bump the rankings up a little bit. Right, but it's unlikely, as for, certainly in the first yeah. couple of years, he's on campus well, that, that you'll see. If, if he played, now one thing, Auburn's got spots. If he played football, he'd count against the initials and of course, the initials don't matter anymore, but he kind of gets the 85. Auburn's got room under the 85. Is, is he doing any work with the football no, teams? Yeah, no. I don't think so either. That's no. the thing. Is, I it's mean, basketball only. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, may, maybe he'll decide. It, it feels like this isn't a guy who's going to play two sports. This is a guy no, who, I don't if think he, so. If That's he not his plan. If he decides college basketball isn't for him after a couple of years, the football oh, he thing would be is welcome. A, I'm, I would imagine the football to, to thing walk could, across but, the field. But he's, the he's not, a, the I mean, uh, was wasn't Kool Aid trying to do that, or was it, you know, didn't yeah. people think? Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's uh, you know, there, there are players that are going to try to play simultaneously, and um, that that's I mean, I think it's it's probably never been harder with the time that that mm-hmm. college athletes are expected to put in away right. from the team, you know, to to be a, a dual sport athlete at a, at a big time program. But yeah, Trey Donaldson, really impressive looking athlete. Uh, you know, excited to see what the future holds. It's skeptical that you'll see him in a football uniform anytime soon, Bill. Right. Speaking of football, we did get uh, word today as that? to media availabilities. Uh, Auburn's official report day is Thursday, day after tomorrow. And uh, we will have, the, the media will have opportunities with both offensive coordinator Eric Keesaw and defensive coordinator Jeff Schmetting as well as uh, Coach Brian Harson on Thursday. And then the first day of practice is Friday. We'll have a viewing window Friday morning. And another one for just the newcomers will be Friday afternoon at 5. We're trying to uh, figure out exactly what we'll do about that. But there will be player interviews that we'll let you hear some of. On Friday, that's, and that's really the only conflict with the show, you know, of, of the of the listed of the listed team activities that it looks we've like, been provided. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Auburn's going to practice earlier this year. At least the media. Uh, I mean, last year the media availabilities were around four o'clock. You know, practice would start around four, and we get to watch for fifteen twenty minutes at that time. This year, at least here for the early fall practices. It's ten thirty to eleven is where, is where most of the viewing windows are. Okay, so, so that means Auburn's going to start practice midday and, and as you, opposed to late afternoon. You, you can you can hit some of the highlights of the of the schedule if you want. I was going to ask you, you know, seeing seeing that August thirteenth, uh, you know, seeing that seeing that we're going to talk with Coach Harson following a scrimmage on uh, on, on that's, August. That's going to be an evening scrimmage on August thirteenth. Yeah, um, you think that's right around when starting quarterback talk. Could could heat up. That's the second week of fall practice. That's a scrimmage. He said he had said optimally around ten days before the first game. So it's maybe toward the after that scrimmage they'll break down the film, and by the next weekend, I would think. I would think around the twentieth. Okay, yeah. For, I mean, is, that's, is, is 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 when you could have. Your depth chart, which would which would list your start, and the twentieth would be, I believe, the Friday of the first week of classes, Saturday. That's a, the twentieth of the Saturday. Saturday. So, so it's the mm-hmm. yeah, that that is the and, yeah, somewhere somewhere that week, yeah. I would think. 
But it would be, I would think, after the first scrimmage on the 13th, because you definitely want to make sure you break down the film, make sure everybody was not just from the statistics, but you you go by the reads, uh, you know, how they how they handled everything in that first scrimmage. Two weeks from today is your... Uh, is 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 your first day of classes uh, here at Auburn? And, and sad, sad that it's that, getting here that, that, that quickly. That's right. It'll be. I mean, we we're talking about the, the Man, end, how the summers fly. Talking about the start of summer vacation yeah. just a couple of weeks ago, and, and and here we are. But no, some some really cool stuff with Harson, the players, the coordinators, and the position coaches mm-hmm. uh, scheduled for us in the in, in the next couple of weeks, and we're going to try to get as much of that audio uh, to the uh, to the listeners as possible. Yeah, we we absolutely will uh, will be working on that, and we will we'll uh, let you hear quite a few of those. Uh, interviews. Dan and I can double team and uh, get, well, because that's one of the things, when the position coaches are there, it's like multiple coaches at one time. So different folks get different, uh, you know, get different and if I, audio if I and recall, video. If I recall correctly, those were scheduled during the show last year, and so we couldn't do that. Like, there, there yeah. were often well, there were coach availabilities either right before or during the drive, and so that's those. Those are some of the times when we would have you call in, uh, or or you'd come in. The media windows were a lot of times yeah. right there at the start of the show. Exactly, the viewing so, windows. So, so shout out to shout out to Riley for for helping us. Uh, you know, for making sure they get they got actually <laughs> shout out to uh, to Shelly or who. Uh, but well, to, we we everybody in the athletic we appreciate that it's going to work for our schedule a little better. I'm sure that had an awful lot to do with with Coach Harson's oh, yeah. playing. Oh yeah, you know it's all you know they're, they're you know. Coach Harson can't be bothered while the uh, while the drive is on the air is the is the rumor I hear from the uh, from the athletic department. But yeah. yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna meet with the coordinators on Thursday, and uh, Coach Harson will have some remarks. So so looking forward to uh, uh, to having the update Thursday uh, from uh, from Brian Harson and uh, both uh, both Eric Keesaw and uh, Jeff Schmetting, you know, both of whom uh, in their first year as Auburn coordinators. So yeah, looking forward to hearing from uh, from those guys and uh, some of the players uh, by by the end of the week as well with uh, with with things getting started uh, later this week. All right, so it's 12 minutes after 5 o'clock, and the Major League Baseball trading deadline has passed. Oh. And, and oh, is there but something but, but, now? But details because, are leaking out, and we have one. Is there one more? Because I, I have seen, I mean, two of the names, a couple of the names that we'd heard would be traded are not being you got, traded. You got the Braves trade that just went through? No, I missed. Ooh, I had not about, seen that. How about Rizelli Iglesias of the Cle- of the Cleveland? I or no, said, that's the, they're the Angels. Angels yes. closer uh, Rizelli Iglesias is headed to the Atlanta Braves. Yes. Yeah, so uh, so so the Braves. Uh, I, I said they could use another arm in the pen. I, I thought that was the case. I thought they might try to get another power bat. Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson are headed to Los Angeles. Tucker Davidson. Uh, uh, headed to Los Angeles for Rizel Iglesias. Lefty, lefty prospect. Uh, Justin Ferguson will be pleased to see that uh, Rizel Iglesias traded in a deal that included Tucker Davidson. Is that good news for, uh, is that good news for our buddy so. Justin Ferguson? I would yeah. think well, so. He, he gets, uh, he, he so gets... the Braves upgrade the bullpen a little bit, but some of the names, um, you know, you, you mentioned Pablo Lopez a while ago, Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ. The Cubs not dealing some guys that we thought. The Marlins deciding they are not sellers. The Phillies, the Phillies were the most active Eastern Division team. Well, maybe not the most active. The Mets, the Nationals, lot, the Mets, <laughs> the Nationals might have been the most well, active. Well, one. The, the, no, I'm talking about in in doing something that's going to help them in the short term. Uh, the Mets made a lot of smaller deals. Uh, and, and with, without sacrificing any of their future, they picked up some pieces that could help them 
you know, not dissimilar to what the Braves did last year, I think is what some of the things sure. the Mets have done. They haven't gotten it's it's not the glamorous moves. It's not getting a Juan mm. Soto. It's not getting you know they didn't get a JD Martinez. They didn't get you know the the big names, but they got some guys that are going to help them on the mound and in situations. I think. It- at the plate. It's tough to find a Braves-like comparison in the National League, though, because the the other thing that's weird about the Braves last year was they, they started to play really well a couple of weeks before the deadline, but there was a question of buyer or seller for the Braves right. in, in the month of July of are they going to try to... Are they going to try to make a push for a championship despite the injuries and the unavailability, unavailability of Azuna? Or, or and, and I mean, a guy that we never talk about anymore, Mike Soroka. His injury last year was such a, you know, there was a big part. Right. People talked about those Braves injuries. And instead, they went out and got value pieces from other sellers. They went out and got things that other people weren't maybe. So you uh, don't think the Mets are similar to that this year? I think they're very similar well, I, to that. But the, Met, people the Mets think the Mets different. Would, people didn't think the Mets would sell. At well, any, at any no, point no, no, that's been, true. Yeah. But I think what they have done here is very similar to what the Braves did. They're getting yeah. Jacob DeGrom back. As a matter of fact, he's starting tonight. So they haven't had him all year. They had Michael Givens to the bullpen, gives them a much better setup guy. They already added Dan Vogelbach as a lefty bat. They had Tyler Naquin as a left-hand bat. They get, uh, um, who, who was the righty bat? They get Darren Ruff. Traded for Darren Ruff, that's right. Uh, I mean, so they've gotten some guys that are have great splits when you're talking about versus lefty or versus righties. And but not, they've got but not de- blockbuster But they've names. got a decent yes. lineup already. Right. I mean, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with with uh, Francisco Lindor and, and Pete Alonso and, uh, I mean, Brandon Nimmo's and, been darn and this good, is, you know, too. Another, I mean, the, the point you're making about the Mets and the strength the Mets have right now, I mean, this is another reason why I was thinking, like, if you're, if you're not a team that's going to win the National League this year, starting a rebuild might have been tempting because there are some great teams in the National League yep. that are not just, like, they're not standing pat, right? I mean, the Phillies were already pretty good. They went and got better. The Braves mm-hmm. went and got... Phil's, Phil's made a lot of moves. Phil's, Phil's, made, Phil's got bigger, we, some, the bigger names in the East. Did, no, no, Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, didn't mention Syndergaard Noah on, Syndergaard on show yet. Is, is now a Philadelphia Philly. So Thor is back up in the Northeast. Speaking of the Angels, who also made the deal to, yep. uh, to sell Iglesias, trade Iglesias to the Braves. They, they, they trade uh, Syndergaard. They decided not to, not to uh, move Otani, but they, they moved a couple of guys that always, have, have been really good. I'll always, really, really good. I'll always wonder what they could have gotten. If they with a year yeah, and a half, wonder, so will they. With, with a year and a half left on his contract, uh-huh. not a very expensive deal, uh, and the fact that it's two postseasons of him as a pitcher and a hitter, mm-hmm. you wonder what a team, especially in a feeding frenzy right now with a bunch of teams believing they're championship contenders, you wonder what a team would have been willing to pay for Shohei Otani if the Angels had wanted to do uh, that deal instead. I guess they're going to try to convince him to, uh, they're going to try to put enough around him this offseason to convince him to stick around after the 2023 season is over, or they trade him this offseason or at the deadline a year from now. But I mean that that's I mean it, it would have been a big deal, but we had a pretty busy trade deadline even without Shohei Otani's Two, name. You know, back, back to the Braves. Who's their closer now? Is Kenley Jansen or is it Rysel Iglesias? I wonder if it's Iglesias. I think it's Iglesias. Yeah. I mean, and didn't, didn't the did the Dodgers go out and add a reliever too? That made the the, the, the you uh, no was, no oh that did, that didn't happen. It right? did not. 
So the was Dodgers, that, was it the the, the, the the Pirates? They were talking. Yeah, they were they were talking with the Pirates about David yeah. Bednar, but the Pirates wanted too much. The Dodgers decided not to sacrifice their farm system the way the Padres did. Right, and maybe maybe the Dodgers are. You know, they could be thinking long term too, as far as some of these players that are going to be free agents in, in upcoming. Well, Trey in, Turner after this year. Trey right? Turner after this year. Shohei Otani after next year. Juan Soto after the twenty twenty four season. You know, the Dodgers are. I think they're they're worried about things like the luxury tax too. Not that they. I mean, they'll spend, but I think they'd like to be in on some of these free agents. And if, if they're if they're uh, irresponsible with their money, that could be uh, harder for, uh, for for them to uh, uh, to pull off. But but yeah, it's a uh, it's a, bi- a busy day in in the world of Major League Baseball. And the Braves going out and adding Rizal Iglesias yep, to uh, that's, cap that's off. A, that's a big ad up just under the buzzer. Yeah. All right, we need to get to our first break. Don't forget, it's Tuesday. That means Jake Crane joins us at the bottom of the hour. We'd love for you to join in as well. 334-321-1390. That's the Kia of Auburn hotline here on the Tuesday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon with Bill and Dan. Love for you to join in. 334-321-1390. That's the Kia of Auburn Hotline. Did you watch? Did you get to catch any of Auburn's route of the uh, under-20 Israeli national team today? 117-56 to was the uh, final score again. Johan Treor leading the way for Auburn with um, 20 points. 17 points for Janai Broom. 8 of 9 from the floor. He had nine rebounds, four blocks. Again, a a very outmatched uh, Israeli team. I mean, I guarantee you it was not a uh, what well, wasn't any anything like a perfect effort or anything. Let me see if I can uh, read you some of the uh, the quotes from uh, from Bruce Pearl. He said, "I thought the guys played really hard. Thought they enjoyed playing together. The actions that Israel runs are hard to guard, and so it forced us to have to communicate." We had some breakdowns, but obviously with our size and our athleticism, we were able to overcome a lot of that. And if Israel had shot the ball a little better in the first half, it would have been a lot closer. Auburn's defense was outstanding against those guys. But again, Auburn's so much more athletic and outsizing that Israeli team. And and intense perimeter defense is a trademark of Bruce Pearl's teams, even even when they're limited size-wise, and Auburn wasn't limited size-wise today against their opponent. But even when Bruce Pearl's teams are undersized, they're going to play really tenacious perimeter defense. And that doesn't change when they're not limited size-wise. So guys like Zepp and KD and Wendell and Alan Flanagan and and the newcomers, Chance Westry, Trey Donaldson. I mean, the, the way, especially when your shot's not falling, the way you buy playing time on a Bruce Pearl team is by playing. Defense. Yes, defending at, defending at the is. perimeter. And this team could be a, a, a really tough team for opponents to have success on because, I mean, Zepp Jasper was already a really highly regarded defensive player. Mm-hmm. KD's reputation grew as he is, a... He is, yeah. He's fun. 
is he's, he's 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 yeah he's like an animal out there. Yeah, he's spicy. He's yeah. a, he's a, he's a spicy. He's the kind of player that you hate. Yeah. He's not on your team. He is, yeah, classic pest. Uh-huh. You know of, of a of, of a of a basketball player. But yeah, KD uh, is, is someone who you know makes life difficult. And if and if Alan Flanagan can can get back to some of that form, you know Auburn has the chance to have some exceptional perimeter defense on top of. Athleticism and size and talent uh, with the uh, with the front court too, but but the back court, uh, which is I think there's less attention because you bring back guards from last year's team. The front court is so new with mm-hmm. with Wendell and Jabari moving on, or with uh, Walker and Jabari moving on, and and, and the new uh, front court players coming in. Really, it was great to see the back court play well, but it's also great to see the, the little improvements that these guys have made, and if the shooting can become more consistent. Uh, this this team could could be really really dangerous in the guards. Yeah, I mean, Wendell Wendell had some fabulous passes yes. today. Was lo- looked a little more under control. Has, has another year. See. Has another year as a teammate with mm-hmm. these guys. I mean, you think about what Wendell and Zepp try to do to to join a team. Oh, you know, and and play with them for a couple of months and then start the season without really, you know, with a whole bunch of new teammates. I imagine it was difficult at times last year. And now Wendell, much more, yeah, much more in control, much more confident. It would make sense because this isn't his first year in the SEC anymore. Guy that we haven't mentioned, I liked, I liked what I saw. He missed a couple of bunnies, but uh, Jalen Williams looked good, I thought. I mean, you look at his line and it doesn't jump out at you, but nine points. And like I said, he missed a couple of just gimmies where it looked like he was so excited. But, I mean, he was one for two from uh, behind the arc, two of two at the free throw line, five rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block. Jalen Williams is a good all-round player. I mean, he's a good defender. He's a really good for a big guy. He's a very good passer and ball handler. Um, and, and, yeah, he wasn't featured today. Today was more like let's, take, let's let everybody see our newcomers. And you did with 50 points from from uh, Treyor, Broom, Westry, and then um, Trey Donaldson had had four rebounds, only had a couple of points, but showed his physicality. I I, I think in this next game you'll probably see Jalen get more minutes and be more featured. Although, and I mean, I would I would agree, but when when Bruce Pearl was talking about Jalen Williams having that that. You know, taking that big step forward last year, it was before Jonai Broom and and Johan Traore committed to come. Yeah, but they're not playing. They're not playing the position that the Jalen. They're not playing. The, yeah, they're not playing the same position. But you could see, you could see Jonai. You and, could. You, you could see Jonai and and uh, and, and, and and yeah, Johan as the four and five, and then Allen and guards. Sure. As as your as your as one of the the. I five. mean, Yohan, yeah, Johan is, is is. I mean, he and yeah, he and Jalen will be playing. I would think that'll be all playing at the four. Will be those guys. Sure. I don't know who else would get any playing. Bro- Broom at the four with somebody else at the uh, five. I think, I, I, I think I, Broom's yeah, a five. I think Broom's no, a five, no too. He is I'm a thinking, five. Like, he and Dylan are your five. Yeah, yeah I mean, Dylan or, or Stretch. Yeah, I mean, no, you're right. It, it does seem like uh, th- those are your those are your four mm-hmm. front court guys. Right. It's just a matter of who's, who's out there at the bidding. But between yes. Johan and Jalen, I mean, even if Auburn's going to get some points, yes, and some numbers I mean, even, out of that, out of that. Spot. I mean, it, I, I mean, you, yes, you can you can focus on who's the starter and who's the backup. I feel like when they're healthy, both of those guys are going to play mm-hmm. a lot, and the other team doesn't get a break. You know, we just had the caller mentioning it's important for your depth to not be a huge step back from your starters. No, Auburn's got depth. I, you know, I haven't mentioned Chris Moore looked good today. Yeah, he looked another, like he's a little leaner. Another guy that doesn't get mentioned very mm-hmm. much, but if Chris Moore uh, can can take steps forward in a couple different ways, uh, Auburn Auburn basketball would really appreciate uh, his contribution. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I think the 
the returning players and and the the question of how much better they can get, and then of course some of the new arrivals and uh, what they can provide in in their first year. I mean, it was, we, we got a uh, we got a better idea of what it might look like. I don't know how much. I mean, hopefully today's game didn't change your opinion of what the season was going. No, I really going to be because you know I think there's some, there's something to be said for sample size and competition. Uh, but you know what, Auburn basketball passed the eye test. Yes. In, in oh yes, they did. Game one, uh, th- this team looks like they're they're ready a to be sixty-one point win. Just, I mean, there's not a whole lot yeah, to complain about, and, and lo- looking to be just as good, if not better than, than some of Bruce Pearl's other teams the last couple of years. Stick with us. The final half hour coming up, including a visit, our weekly visit with Jake Crane on the other side here on the Tuesday Drive. Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan here in the studio and we'll get back to your calls in just a little while because right now, we have an outgoing call that has been answered by our, our good friend Jake Crane from Crane and Company joining us here on the drive. Jake, how you doing today, man? Oh man, I'm doing great. It's August. Smells like fall camp. That only means one thing, fellas. It's right around the corner. That's right. We uh, we got some news in the uh, in the last day or so regarding uh, when we're gonna uh, hear from uh, from Brian Harson and his uh, coordinators, along with some of the players. I mean, there's a uh, you know, a lot of intrigue around not just Auburn, but but a lot of the different programs in the SEC West this year. We were talking earlier in the show about uh, you know I, I was struck by the optimism, uh, even even though in the SEC you know you hear that in media days a lot. It does seem like around yeah, but but more more so than usual. I mean, everyone in the SEC West seems to be. Uh, looking like they're headed in the right direction, or at least talking like a program headed in the right direction. And I'm interested to see how much of that uh, we, we actually get. A, you know, who, who can live up to that this fall? Yeah, well, look, everybody's optimistic. Nobody's lost yet. Uh, you know, it's just how it is. That's how media days is. And look, when you put in as much work as these coaches and players do, you're going to feel optimistic. I mean, you, you got to. I mean, you spent so much time getting ready, but you know, that's why they play the games. That's why it's the greatest sport on earth, and it's going to shake itself out. Any, anybody in the uh, anybody in the SEC West where you uh, you are uh, maybe less optimistic uh, than the rest of the folks about how that yeah. program is going to do uh, this fall? And anybody in the West uh, that you got a really good feeling about? Yeah, well, starting on kind of the negative side, I'm not as high on Mississippi State as a team as everybody else is. I mean, it's going to be a log jam in the West. I love Will Rogers. But, again, I think Mike Leach, another year in that system, another year of defenses being able to kind of get the book on them a little bit. They'll win a couple they shouldn't, and they'll lose a couple that they shouldn't. I just don't think that they're going to have a year. I, I got them going, I, I believe, two and six in the SEC when you look at the schedule 
Then on the high side, man, I'm high on Arkansas. I, I'm really high on Arkansas. You return both coordinators. You return your quarterback. You return a lot of offensive linemen. You return your leader in the front seven in bumper pool. Uh, in the back end, Jordan Catalan coming back. I think Arkansas goes 9-3 and three this year. Uh, but also A&M, man. I got A&M going 4-4 four and four in the SEC. If you look where they Ooh. open, they've got Arkansas neutral sites, then two Mississippi State. And I know I got Mississippi State going 2-6. and six, But Mike Leach always beats somebody he shouldn't in between September, uh, September 20th and October 10th. It's happened all the way going back to Washington State. I don't know what type of voodoo or witchcraft they've got going on, but it just kind of is what it is. And then they got Bama. There's a good chance A&M could start out 1-2 and two or possibly 0-3 oh in the league. Well, the other thing to keep in mind is Jimbo has a way of losing to somebody that he shouldn't just about every year. No, that's that's exactly right. Now, again, they, they've bridged the gap up front. I, I, you know, I may pick them to win the whole thing in 2023, to be honest with you, but uh, I'm higher on Max Johnson than I am on Haynes King. I, I just don't think Haynes King's a good enough thrower of the ball. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be wild look. The SEC is so deep this year, it's nuts to think about. I mean, there's that much talent. Uh, there's going to be a lot. I've got a log jam. i got three teams in the West finishing 4-4, four and four, including Auburn. Well, that, that's not that unusual. That, it seems like that happens just about every year. That Miami A&M game doesn't get talked about like some of the other big out-of-conference yeah. games in, uh, in, in, in the SEC and around college football this year. Miami got a lot better, and they've got, I mean, I don't know if A&M has the quarterback advantage. In that game, because Van Dyke was Van Dyke was really good down the stretch uh, for for Miami. I mean, and, and uh, I, I wonder. I, I think that could be. You're right. If, if A&M really struggles there, I mean, we saw it last year in the Colorado game. Different circumstance, but you know, it made you wonder if, if A&M was as ready to be. And they they dealt with the quarterback injury in that Colorado game too. But it was an early sign of you know uh, you know m- maybe this team isn't as elite as some folks are ready to say they were. You know, if, if A and M now if A and M goes out and dusts Miami in week three, it's a statement. Uh, if if they go out and they and they clean Miami's clock, if that's a really close game at Kyle Field, you you wonder what the rest of the season could be like. Yeah, I, again, they're going to have the advantage of quarterback Van Dyke's for real. Uh, he's he's an NFL player. Um, you know, my my thing when I look at it is A and M has the advantage up front. I I know Mario's going to have him fired up. He's a great motivator, but I just don't think they have the horses on the offensive line and in the front seven on defense over a four-quarter game to be able to beat A&M. And then, again, the location is huge. Uh, I, I tell you what, though, and I, I was going to say this on the show later this week, I think Miami makes the playoff within the next four to five years, and they may play for the national championship. I'm just telling you right now, Mario at Miami is a, as almost as scary as LSU with structure, like legitimately almost as scary as LSU with structure. So when I look at Miami talking about projecting teams and you're in the ACC, which I know Clemson's done a really good job with Dabo. They've dominated it. Wake Forest has come up. They're not just beating people in vocabulary test contests anymore. Uh, And then you kind of look around the conference. I like Halfley at Boston College, NC State with Devin Leary. I don't think we talk about Dave Doran enough. I can make the case that Dave Doran and Kyle Whittingham at Utah are the two most underrated coaches in college football. But uh, I think Miami's going to be scary down the road. I just don't think this year they beat A&M. All right, we were talking about uh, quarterbacks and teams from the SEC West, one we haven't mentioned. Who do you think is the quarterback at LSU? Because it seems like what I'm hearing from down there is it uh, could be right back to Miles Brennan now that he's healthy again. Well, yeah, he better stay away from boats. I mean, Miles hadn't been able to stay healthy regardless if it's on the field or off the field, uh, you know, really since he's been there, and I hate it. I mean, he's been there about 30 years. 
You know, I think you're going to see some sort of package built. We had Matt Muscona, who, who covers LSU, sure. on the show today, and, and he firmly believes that you're going to see a package deal where Jaden Daniels may come in in the red zone and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I, I can do see, I can see that now. That's That makes yeah, more sense yeah, than I, some I of the things I'd heard. Yeah, again, it, it puts a lot of stress on the defense. You just hate having another guy come in there when the drive's been going good and, and the math's adding up and you've gotten down there. Uh, but I do think it's going to be miles to lose. A- am I a huge Miles Brennan fan? No. Do I think, you know, LSU is going to dominate this year? No. But Brian Kelly's going to get his guy in there eventually, probably sooner than later, because we all know, you know, how much of a national brand that LSU is. Uh, but I do think it's going to be miles, but they'll have packages built in for, uh, Jaden Daniels. Probably the closer you get to the end zone. Yeah, the, the Miles Brennan, Jane Daniels thing is really interesting because you would think uh, Miles Brennan's six, a six-year player at, at mm-hmm. LSU. You would think that a six-year player would have uh, a big a big advantage, except that uh, all of his coaches are first-year coaches who have no allegiance to the fact that you've been at the program for six years. But at the same time, the accuracy and and the, when and the respect. He, when he's yeah. been healthy, he's put up some really good numbers. Yeah, it's, it's not just that he's a six-year player. Yeah. It's that he's a six-year player who's been very close to being LSU's starting quarterback throughout his career. Jaden Daniels is a really talented guy who started his career with that great freshman year, but Arizona State's been... Um, trying to think of a diplomatic way to Bad. say a, a mess, yeah, a troubled program. Yeah, a troubled... They're, they're one, they're one step away from having to call FEMA to go clean that place. Yeah, up. it's it's yeah. They need a young priest and an old priest in, in at, uh, yeah. at, Arizona, at Arizona State right now, Jake. <laughs> so I mean, it's uh, it, it is it is it is trouble there. But I you know I want to believe Jaden Daniels can pull out of it. But that is there are a couple of battles where it's hard to believe that you mentioned Haynes King and Max Johnson. Right, one of those guys can be a backup quarterback. When, when the for a while, yeah. When, when, for, for, at least when the yeah. season starts, opening, right. opening day, one of those guys could be a backup. Same you know, when, Miles, we, Br- Miles Brennan, Jaden Daniels, same and, thing. And and one of the things we, we, I don't know that we talked about it much with you last week, is uh, you know the feeling had been from a lot of places. Well, we've got that we've got that guy transferring in. If it doesn't work out for him, hey, he doesn't have any option. Sure does now. Sure the does. NCAA has said, hey, oh yeah, he can go every year now. No, that's exactly right. I mean, Haynes King will probably end up at Auburn next year or something like that. Who knows? I mean, that, that's why, again, you know, I don't want to get into some diatribe on, on the transfer portal, but, I mean, we've got to have some sort. And now the NCAA recommends, you know what? There are no rules. You can leave whenever. Right. You can go. It's, it's the worst. But you can we only enter the, the portal stuff. at certain times. Even though you can say it at any time, you can't officially be in the portal. Yeah, but like, again, what's going to stop a kid days. from no during, a, during a dead portal period texting one of the coaches from another place like, hey, Nothing. I'm going to get in the transfer portal. Hey, where, where, like, where would I be on the depth chart? If, yeah. <laughs> suppose for a second I was in the portal. Yeah, like, let's, let, let's, let, it's like Saban says, I don't answer hypotheticals. Unless, well, you know. Anyways, uh, it's a um, no. It's 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 interesting to see how much movement we're you know we're going to see throughout the season and after the season this year. You know, compared to the first couple of years uh, that the transfer portal uh, has been has has been in existence, and and it does seem like more than anywhere else because only one plays primarily. Quarterbacks are. Uh, you know that that's it's become extremely common to see a quarterback who doesn't break into the starting lineup after a year or two. It's almost expected. It's almost expected now, yeah. and that's you know an, another place where uh, I mean I really want to see how the how you know how the, how the dust settles at Ole Miss and and who's playing quarterback for Lane Kiffin between Jackson Dart who finished the year as USC starter last year and has a cool name uh, and then uh, Luke Altmyer who finished the Sugar Bowl. As as mm-hmm. old yeah. Mrs. Quarterback last you wanna, season, you you 
You want to hear a secret? It's going to be Jackson Dart. They didn't bring him in for no reason. He's a guy that's more mobile. He can extend the play. Lane wants that. It's going to be Jackson Dart. Uh, you know, and then, then Altmyer will probably end up transferring. Not saying he's a bad player, uh, but I would be shocked if it wasn't Jackson Dart. How uh, how tempted are you in a lot of these situations where it's a you know a transfer portal quarterback who had options to look at a battle and say, you know that that guy probably picked that school for a reason. And 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 you, yeah, know, oh, you would have thought that about Jaden. You would have thought too, that about Jaden Daniels and Max Johnson and Zach Calzada and you know a lot, a lot of different. I think cor- you're right on most of them. Yeah, a lot a lot of quarterbacks where you know it's 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 fair to make that assumption about the quarterback battle. For sure, because that most of them are leaving. You know, mainly because they weren't playing, or maybe you know you're a pro style quarterback and somebody came in wanting to run a bunch of you know zone read stuff and and move the pocket a ton and and things like that. Uh, you, it's just the nature of the beast. That, that, that's how it is, especially at the quarterback position. You know, again, you want competition. You, you, you do, because, again, iron sharpens iron. I can use every cliche that there's ever been said. But most of these guys are brought in to play. And if they don't play, they're probably going to leave and go somewhere else. So it just turns into this revolving door for some of these guys of, of places. And then all of a sudden, you know, you end up at Western Kentucky or something like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but it's just it's the nature of the beast. It ha- it's how it. It's operating I'm gonna tell, right I'm gonna now. Tell Big Red. And, and I, I I'm going to tell Big Red you said that, Jake. I'm going to give it yeah, my man. Yeah, my look, man. look, you can, tell, you can tell, you know, what's that song? You can tell everybody. Um, like, here's my thing. We have gotten to the point now where college football players are acting like they're the victims in this whole thing. And, you know, we had Cole Kubik on the other day, and, and we talked about this. Here's the thing. If you don't want to follow the rules, if you don't think there should be rules, then you shouldn't play. I mean, why, why, why can't the field goal post be from end zone to end zone? You know, why should there be an out of bounds? Like, if you don't want any rules, if you think that you're so, it, you're so hated on or oppressed, then don't play. Like, at some point, we're going to have to put our foot down with this deal. Because, again, you give a person an inch, they're going to take a mile. Well, and and Jake, they're smart to do it. And, Jake, I wonder if a professional option existed for players coming out of high school, if you didn't have to play college football for Look, three years to get oh, to the yeah. NFL, I wonder how many yeah. players would say, I don't want to be part well, of the system. Well, there would be well, some. No question. Well, watch what's about to go down with the USFL. I mean, I'm seeing graphics of, well, Sal Canella went, he, the graphic from the USFL team, Sal Canella goes to the Packers, and they're celebrating it. I'm telling you, it's coming. And and it's funny, you know, the XFL before tried to get, uh, actually thought about paying high school kids to go straight to the XFL. I would not be surprised in five to seven years, maybe less than that, if the USFL or the XFL or some other league comes along and they're basically the G League for the NFL. And you know what? It will be great for college football because if you don't want to play and you want to cry and you want to complain and say, woe is me, then don't play college football sure. because it's, going, it's already starting to turn in to something that we can't recognize. And eventually we're going to have to put our foot down and say there, there has to be rules. I'm sorry, but there has to be rules. Talking with Jake Crane of Crane & Company here on the Tuesday Drive. Before we let you go, before we run out of time, got to get a thought or two on Auburn with practice getting started this week. What are you looking for? What's, your, what's the most interesting thing that you would like to learn uh, as Auburn gets started with practice? Well, you know, it's something I really can't tell unless I'm there. I, I want to hear the way it sounds up front. You know, it's funny. You remember the movie Trouble with a Curve? You know, Clint Eastwood, oh, yeah. they're like, how have you been such a good scout this long? He's like, 
I can hear the sa- it sounds different. Mm-hmm. I would love to be able to hear the sound of that offensive line and defensive line going against each other to really know because that's what it's going to come down to. We'll talk about the quarterback and Zach Calzada and TJ Finley and all this stuff. We'll talk about the lack of depth at wide receiver. Well, you know how you help all that? You're able to get after somebody up front. So I want to know how much of a bully is Auburn going to try and turn into up front, or is it going to be something where when they play teams that have talent, they get shoved in the locker in front of the middle of the whole high school. So that's what it's going to come down to. That's what I need to know. And it's not about your first five on the offensive line. It's about your first seven or eight. It's not about your starting four on the defensive line. It's about your first six to seven because you got guys that can swing. So I want to see how physical Auburn can be up front because they're going to need to be. Uh, that's a great point. Jake, we're just about out of time, man. Uh, let everybody know what you've got coming up and how they can get it. Oh, yeah, man. Well, look, football season's here. You know, we we talk all sports, but but it's heavy football now. We've had, you know, Cole Kublik, Chris Doring, Brian Harson, Tank Bigsby on lately. Go check that out. It's Crane and Company, C-R-A-I-N and Company. It's on YouTube, anywhere you find podcasts. Got Brandon Marcello coming on. Just had Barrett Sally. Look, it's football time, and y'all know what we have cooking, so I appreciate it. No question. Uh, we always appreciate it, Jake. Uh, thanks again. Have a great week. You guys as well. Uh, Jake Crane joining us as he does Tuesdays here on The Drive. We need to get to our final break. Stick with us as we wind things down. Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final few minutes of the Tuesday Drive with Bill and Dan and back to the Kia of Auburn Hotline and Tex. Hey guys, who's the old guy answering the phone up there? <laughs> yeah, we got an intern. Know. We got an intern this week. We got yeah. <laughs> some some some. We got some, Willie. Not new. Willie the intern. Some old board op. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm There's not. Sti- I'm not sticking around now, for Bill. stuff after the show. I can tell you that. <laughs> hey, uh, just a couple things. Uh, it's a shame Jake has no passion. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> I- I'm waiting for him to explode. Need to, yeah, uh, just just either, way, get get a little emotion. Yeah, if you time. light a, if you light a match while that while while, while Jake is talking, it'll <laughs> Look out. blow everything up. <laughs> so uh, a couple things: if you're t- if you're trusting Matt Moscona for information, you're going to be wrong more times than you're not. Uh, he a few years ago he told everybody to get hair implants, and now he has a shaved head. So uh, because the hair doesn't grow, it all grew long. inward. Well. He has. He put him in backwards. Well, he wasn't. He he wasn't. He was just a salesman. He wasn't. He wasn't a client, right? Of the. I I understand exactly. So, the other thing is, uh, have you seen Phil Stills' uh, discussion about Auburn and outlook on Auburn? And no, I've heard a couple things. No, I heard a couple things, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Yeah, it may be just starting. This might, might might be what Jake was referring to. He rated Auburn's defensive line number one in the conference hmm. and their offensive line is number two well now here's what i know what, i'm not if he's right person. if he's right on that uh it, it should be a it should be a decent year well and, and one one thing i've heard i don't mean to cut you off text because one thing i've heard uh phil Steele say in radio interviews is he believes that had auburn finished the alabama game with a win 
there would be a really different outlook on Auburn this year if everything else were the same, but Auburn had won the Iron Bowl. People would be looking at and and again, that got me thinking like maybe he's you know maybe mm-hmm. yeah maybe maybe a, a seven and five they probably wouldn't have gone to Birmingham and a they seven, made, yeah seven and five well, team with a win over Alabama at the end of the season you know convinces people there's a lot of momentum that's that's still here despite the fact that Alabama won that game. Well, I, I said that about Matt because. Uh, Phil Steele's way more right than he is wrong. And he always comes up with somebody that no one else really thinks is going to do well that he believes is going to do pretty well through yep, the season. You're right. And it's, it's actually comforting to hear, to, to hear Jake say he's got Auburn going four and four in the conference. We go four and four in the conference, and my guess is we're eight and four for the year. And I think, uh, you know. Hard to that, imagine Auburn to me, repeating six and six. If you at, go four and four with, with a yeah. four and four, I mean you'd, you'd right. need because you'd, you'd be losing to, right. to you know Western Kentucky or something in that in right. that situation. But no, you're you're right. It does seem like four and four would be well again not not the progress you want to get comfortable with every year. As far you know, that's not the record that you you know that that, that folks year in and year out are going to be really excited about. But after after two seasons and especially the way last season ended, um, an above five hundred regular season is progress for for Auburn. Yeah. Uh, you know in twenty twenty two. Hey, and last but not least, thank you, Tim Hudson, for all you've ever done and probably all you're ever going to continue to do for Auburn University and Auburn University baseball. That's a great point, uh, Tex. I, I think it's that, that tells you what kind of person he is. He wants to go coach high school baseball and coach his kids. And, yep. stay, I'm sorry. and, and stay in Auburn. And stay in Auburn to do it. And stay in Auburn. That's a quality man there. And he's a great representative. We are out of time here on the Tuesday edition of the drive. Made it through. That's right, almost without without a without any serious problem. We hung up on him. Uh, No, we'll. uh, Well, that's your fault. We're going to talk with Jason Caldwell uh, tomorrow. Uh, As as far as that uh, is right. As far as I know, basketball and everything else. And then Thursday. We got. We got Thursday. We'll have audio. Yeah, we got talk from the uh, from, from from the folks. Yep. We're out of time here, though, on the Wednesday Drive. Our thanks to Barrett Selly, Jake Crane, and all of our listeners. Back with you tomorrow. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here. W294AR Auburn. WGCCHD3 Waverly. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. ESPN 1067. A broadcast service of Auburn Network Incorporated. This is SportsCenter. It's trade deadline day. I'm Chris Smith. According to ESPN's Jeff Passan, the Padres acquire superstar outfielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell from the Nationals. In return, Washington is getting five of the Padres' top prospects and a big league player, Luke Voigt. And ESPN baseball analyst Eduardo Perez thinks it's a win for both sides. To be able to trade Juan Soto and get him for not one, not two, but three postseason runs, potential postseason runs, is huge. I think that's the big impact. Uh, we've seen major trades happen in the past with uh, Miguel Cabrera going from the Marlins to the Tigers. It's still at a young age. But Juan Soto right now, definitely the biggest trade that I know of in a long time. And the impact in West Coast baseball is going to be hit. The Padres also added Brandon Drury from the Reds in exchange for a prospect. The Phillies acquired right-hander Noah Syndergaard and outfielder Brandon Marsh from the Angels. And earlier, they nabbed closer David Robertson from the Cubs. The Yankees send a left-hander Jordan Montgomery to the Cardinals for outfielder Harrison Bader. 
This after bomber ship Joey Gallo off to the Dodgers for a double-A pitching prospect. The Mets acquired Darren Ruff from the Giants for infielder J.D. Davis and three pitching prospects. And for the first time in more than a year, Jacob DeGrom will be on the mound against the Nationals tonight. The NFL strips the Dolphins of two draft picks, including a 2023 first-rounder, plus the league suspended and fined owner Stephen Ross $1.5 million for tampering and other violations. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Whenever you pay a running back top dollar, I hate to say this, running backs, if you're listening, there should be an I think they can keep them long-term. I'm not it sure. It never pays off. This and more, Wednesday morning at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2. On ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 8. The NFL news has been fast and furious the last couple days. We're going to get into some more fallout from yesterday's big news, Deshaun Watson's suspension. But we've got some... Interesting stuff to get into with this dolphin story that disappeared and has now come roaring back. We've also got lots of baseball trade deadline to get to. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to talk to Buster only later, and we will get all the details on baseball's big moves. But quickly, Courtney... You always want to hear from Tim Kirkshin when something big happens on the diamond. And the Padres trade for Juan Soto is big. The biggest ever, says Kirkshin. I think this is the biggest trade in Major League history. And when you talk about transactions in history, it's right there also. This guy is 23 years old. He is the best hitter in the game. He has an amazing track record already. And the future is limitless and now the Padres once Tatis Jr. comes back can go Tatis Jr., Soto and Machado one two and three in the order and they just picked up the best closer in the game in Josh Hader this is all because AJ Preller their general manager is a lunatic and I mean this I don't know I mean this in the nicest way he is absolutely brilliant he is wildly competitive he never sleeps and he said we can win the World Series if we make this trade yeah, and and we'll talk to Buster Courtney about the power rankings potentially changing with that move. We're also going to get to see DeGrom back. Uh, somehow the Cubs decided to make their players cry and hug for a week straight and then not trade any of them. We'll get into that. Um, quick baseball thought before we move on. So the day after Soto had rejected that contract from... The Washington Nationals, 15 years, $440 million. I remember like kind of parsing through the options, and we had heard that the Padres were serious contenders. And you've got to look at the reason why. At that time, so like July 19th, 18th, their OPS with runners on was 736. So it was 20th in the majors. They were 25th in home runs, 29th uh, in OPS at home. Like they had all of the reason to do this. Everything pointed statistically that they needed that power back into their lineup. And now 
you know, on the cusp of this dead trade deadline ending, they just traded for Juan Soto for Josh Hader. Um, they're going all in rather than just like kind of remaining status quo. And it has been a long time mm-hmm. since they were in the World Series. And I find it th- this New York Times article I saw earlier. I had no idea about this. Their last World Series game that was scheduled was a game seven against the Yankees um, in New York, uh, October 25th, 1998. So they got swept in that World Series and they never made it to that game. Apparently, that was also the day that Juan Soto was born in the Dominican <laughs> Republic. So how about everything coming full circle Amazing. for the Padres? And now they're a team that certainly thinks that it can it can go all yeah. in this year and you know good for them for being aggressive at the deadline i like seeing we'll see this with teams that we don't typically see do this i love that statistic we'll talk more to buster only about it and again remember mets philly seven eastern tonight jacob Degrom making his season debut uh still plans to opt out of his contract at the end of the year we'll keep an eye on all of those stories but let's get to the breaking nfl news the nfl stripping the dolphins of two draft picks suspending owner steven ross for tampering with tom Brady and Sean Payton, a $1.5 million fine, and some other punishments along with this. And Adam Schefter was on Barton Hahn to break it down. The league <laughs> found that there was conversations, but didn't find anybody corroborated, didn't find the right context, didn't say it didn't happen, but didn't find enough evidence to prove that it did, that it was serious, to essentially make that the focus of the discipline that was handed down today to the Dolphins. When you look at the release, it was more about, in my mind at least clearly, when Roger Goodell says that this is the most egregious violation of tampering uh, between a team and a player and coach under contract, I, I don't recall ever seeing that in print, and I don't recall a team losing a first and third round draft pick with the owner being suspended and fined a million and a half dollars for tampering with personnel that's under contract. So, again, they the league said that it investigated Brian Flores' claims. It didn't say they weren't true. It just said, basically, that there was no evidence that that was a significant issue and nobody could corroborate it. Yeah, Courtney, that's Adam Schefter speaking to the part of this that had a lot of interest for folks was Brian Flores accusing Stephen Ross of asking him to lose on purpose, offering to pay him to tank. The NFL says, oh, they think we're just joking. Everybody disagrees on the tone that he used when he said that. So they do think that the team definitely tampered with Tom Brady and Sean Payton while they were under contract with other teams, but they refuse to accept that there was actual attempts to tank, at least intentionally. Yeah, and that's what's so frustrating about Stephen Ross's statement that he put out today after this whole thing went down and he got suspended through October and they got stripped of two very high draft picks, that... Quote, the independent investigation cleared our organization on any issues related to tanking and all of Brian Flores's other allegations. No, it didn't. Not in the <laughs> slightest. Like, they were hardly cleared on that tanking issue. The investigation found that Stephen Ross, on several different occasions expressed like you know the belief about uh, the upcoming 2020 draft that should take priority over the team's win-loss record like this says that in its findings so it's hardly like an exoneration for Stephen Ross and the Miami Dolphins here and on top of that like you know this has the, the allegations that Brian Flores levied against the Miami Dolphins like as Adam Schefter said in that statement like they didn't say it didn't happen they didn't say that what Brian Flores said was completely null and void and that it was a lie 
They just kind mm-hmm. of danced around it and didn't really address it in terms of the actual findings of what they had in their in their report and using that to punish Stephen Ross. So to me, I feel like that's still out there, and, and it's not just up for debate. Like it's very clear that the NFL, you know, danced around this to be able to levy punishment against Stephen Ross on something more tangible that they could probably more quickly prove. Yeah, I mean, this has been a weird story all along, and we've talked about it on our show. When we did two-a-days and we talked to the Dolphins and the Bucks reporters, we kind of said, hey, what's what's the deal with this whole Tom Brady retiring so that he could be a player owner for the Dolphins, but then it doesn't work out because Flores sues the team so that he unretires and comes back to the Bucks. and why aren't we talking about it? Well, part of what's so strange about this is the Dolphins shoot themselves in the foot in a way that's going to strip them of the ability to draft first round next year, which could, if they find that Tua Tungavailoa ain't the guy, be a high draft pick with a lot of quarterbacks available to replace him, and now they've lost that because of this. And in doing so, Courtney, it sounds like they were trying to set up a situation that was very unlikely to happen, even if they did convince Brady and Flores hadn't uh, sued the team. Jeff Darlington was on the Noon Sports Center talking about how, I, I, I don't know if that's the sound we have here, but uh, we do have some Jeff Darlington sound where he talked about how it would have been extremely unlikely for them to be able to pull this off even if they had convinced Tom Brady. Let's see if we've got that. There was wording within the ruling that Steve Ross was having conversations about prioritizing draft positions over win-loss record. That is true and certainly something that that merited the punishment that the NFL handed down. I just want to clarify, when I say that he wasn't found, when, when he was exonerated about something, it was the fact that they found no evidence and no witness contended that he offered the $100,000 per game. Right. Had, he, right. had that right. been found out to be true, that was a career crippling situation where potential ownership would have had to be taken away. So that's the only delineation right. I'm trying to make here is that this was something that could have been massively severe. And at least in that regard, it was not. The idea of playing, I believe personally, from my conversations, was not as um, far down the rabbit hole. And for the reasons I was even putting up there on Twitter, like they hadn't even gotten to the point where they realized that it wouldn't have been able to happen, uh, that, that they would have had 32 owners would have had to vote to allow Tom Brady to be able to be a minority owner and a player. That wasn't going to ha- I mean, first of all, there's no way the Glazers, the Bucks team that would have just gotten jaded would have done it. Robert Kraft likely isn't saying that's cool. Nor is Woody Johnson, who he'd be playing twice a year with the New York Jets. So was it close? It was close to happening where he would have had a minority stake in the team. Was it close to where he was playing? Not even if it was close in his mind, it wasn't close to a reality when it comes to practicality. That was on Canty and Carlin at the end there. Yeah, it just feels like it was a moonshot that wouldn't have happened anyway. And they cost themselves a bunch of money and picks and otherwise for it. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect the stuff you love with renter's insurance. Visit Progressive.com. We'll get back to the Dolphin stuff. A whole lot more to get into with that. But coming up, we'll continue to try to make sense of the Deshaun ruling, Deshaun Watson ruling next. And guess at what could be next for the NFL. Wake up and get up with Key, Jay, and Max. If you buy John Morant stock right now, you're still buying it comparatively low to what it's going to be in years to come. I'm calling him underrated. This dude got the MIP this year. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max 
followed by Green. Got a lot to say. I am Bert. Weekday mornings on ESPN Radio. This is Spain and Fitz. Individuals and businesses with tax problems. Listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, U.S. Tax Shield can help you take back control. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Our team of tax attorneys can stop collections and get you protected. U.S. Tax Shield offers a price protection guaranteed quote to get you protected today. U.S. Tax Shield is A-plus rated with the BBB, so call 800-494-6139. U.S. Tax Shield, 800-494-6139. Individuals and businesses with tax problems. Listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, U.S. Tax Shield can help you take back control. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Our team of tax attorneys can stop collections and get you protected. U.S. Tax Shield offers a price protection guaranteed quote to get you protected today. U.S. Tax Shield is A-plus rated with the BBB, so call 800-494-6139. U.S. Tax Shield, 800-494-6139.